You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. This week's rugby story belongs to a good mate of mine who has spent the entirety of his playing days at Witness Rugby Union Football Club and has plenty of life left in the legs yet. His versatility has proven invaluable to the second and first team many an occasion, showing his distribution and finishing skills plenty. Good value on a night out when he's awake and a great travel mate. Ladies and gents, Mr Joshua Payton. Follow, like, share, subscribe and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Eggin, Twitter, at Trot the Eggin, slash at John Heath, Instagram, Trot underscore D underscore Egg underscore in, YouTube, Trot the Eggin, LinkedIn, John Hetherington, and Spotify, Trot the Eggin. Oh Josh, how have you been, mate? How's Lisa doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um... Lisa's all right as well, just the usual. Um, been yeah, doing a bit of, good, yeah. yeah, pretty much, yeah. Trying to do some decorating, bank holiday weekend and stuff, as you know. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't, mate. I'm not, I'm not the handiest of what lies here, so there's the boss <laughs> and all that, and a dad. So I just uh, do a reading and stand there. Doesn't surprise me. You yeah, I mean, it's what, it's what hookers do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a hooker, Jesus. <laughs> so... Before we get stuck into your rugby story, mate, where was home for you and, and who lived at home with you? Um, so growing up, I was one of four. Um, so I had my older brother, my two older sisters, and just my mum as well. Um, so basically growing up on um, Arley Drive, which you know, is like sort of a council estate. Um, so that's basically what like sort of my youth was being brought up just my mum doing her best you know that she could do to bring up four kids with what she you know what she had and how best she could do it really um and obviously like I said with being a council state sort of you know children around our you know ours who were same or similar situations as well where everyone's not got you know unlimited resources or whatever that sort of stuff they're all just like sort of on the bread line type thing and yeah, but I, I quite enjoyed, quite enjoyed it, being outside all the time, pretty much because that's all you could really do in like sort of those uh, in those places, go and you know play footy or something like that on the uh, on the big field at the bottom. So that was pretty much uh, how it was. Well, was there enough for you to do that, mate? Sort of like turning your bikes upside down as posts or your jumpers and and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, 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 pretty much. There was a. Um, it was it, you know, you'll know Mike Howell, don't you? Um, so yeah, he was yeah. there, like directly over the road from us, and his, his little brother, and loads of others from all, yeah, all the roads in and around ours. Yeah, it was just pretty much putting jumpers down all the time, and then going up. But yeah, the bottom of ours, we had um, we had like council footy goals up as well, though. So we were quite lucky in that sense that we'd just go up there about ten of us and play on full size pitches, <laughs> trying to lob each other for fun. <laughs> You won't want to whack it, though, because you'd have to run after it, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, go everywhere, near the train lines and stuff like that as well, so. Class. So what's junior school do you go, Josh? Um, All Saints on Huff Green Road. Yeah, so, so what was, sport-wise, what was the crap there? We didn't really do much sport at all. Um, it was just the usual PE, you know, for, um, for, like, sort of primary school kids and what have you. And then yeah. I think when it, got into like sort of year five and year six or maybe even year four or something like that. We had a little bit of footy as well. 
where we went and played a couple of matches against some other like sort of local schools. Um, right. but there wasn't there's was no rugby whatsoever in the um the odd bit around us here and there and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just mainly those free footy games that you come and just put over the you know these tiny posts up and just go and have a little yeah, have a little game there. Nice. But it, so with with rugby not being very prominent at this point, when did it become something? Did you watch it before you played it, and when did you begin to do whatever you done first? Yeah, so um, I didn't really take. I might have watched it a couple of times on like sort of telly before, but that would have been getting all back to you know not having met much. It would have been on like sort of terrestrial, so it would have been probably something like you know Six Nations in the Union or Five Nations. It could have been then. Um, but then when I really got into it, there's a lad who used to live around ours and him and his little brother, his mum and dad always used to go to the witness games. And then I think it was hanging around with him on a Saturday at one point. Um, and then his like sort of he was out, he had to go in or something like that. It was something like this. And uh, and his mum said if Steve wanted to go to the game with him rather than, you know, just going home or whatever. Um, and then I was able to and um, funnily enough, actually, I've just found the game on Sky as well, and I watched it um, a few days back, the first ever Witness game. So it was when we played Leeds at home in Super League the first year back. I think Adam Hughes scored right. four tries. Yeah, um, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, class game. So um, was that 2002, that? 2002, mate, yeah. yeah. So would I have been, when was that, like June? So um, it would have been just as I'd leaving primary school, going into high school, that, like, because um, it would have been, yeah, like June, July. 2000 yeah yeah that's yeah that's right um so yeah then pretty much was just hooked on it and every time like sort of was asking him if I could go and getting you know a couple of quid off my mum to go and watch the game or something and going you know with them for the rest of the season pretty much and so I went quite a lot more of the home games and then went to my first ever away one with them as well I think went to Cass like second last game of the season and you know what a lovely lovely place Cass what an introduction. is yeah. oh hey. god yeah the lads at Cass have been great, mate. Yeah. So I know, this I know they have. But you see me the other, the other <laughs> week, I put it on our chat, I said my favourite away ground out of all them in rugby league is Cass. Absolutely love the place. So, do you know, like, and what a team to start watching as well, by the way. You were quite lucky there, weren't you, for a couple of years? Indeed, yeah. yeah. It's just a shame they went a bit yeah. further, like, downhill. But, yeah, the first, especially the first and a little bit of the second year in Super League with some, well, obviously after the first year, I know a couple of them retired like Carter and Troy Stone and stuff, but yeah, it was a, it was a good like introduction. Yeah. And did that like ignite out in you to play or was you just more than happy to watch at this point? No, I was just still watching and that, that was pretty much, I was just content with doing that. Um, I think at that time I was playing um, a bit of footy on a Sunday morning as well. Um, I think I only played like one year for like a club team um, but yeah I was just happy to be having like sort of knocking around playing footy and stuff near ours and then um, going to the rugby when you know when I could do or when he was actually in season stuff and um, again when I went into high school I only first year I think I played like a, a one game of rugby and then the following year another game and then I think it was in year nine when I actually did start properly playing but again it was still only actually um in school didn't go to a club at all don't know why but so how did you find club football if you can remember much about it was it was it like clicky or was it pretty easy to fit in i found it quite easy to fit in because obviously I, 
at that age was only like 11 and stuff like that. I don't think yeah. you know that people have got to that stage yet where they can be you know too clicky. Um, lads are just wanting to go out and you know and enjoy a game yeah. footy. So found it you know quite all right. Everyone was you know quite welcoming and stuff like that. It was um, very like talented team in terms of the league that we were in. As well, I think we were barring teams by like ten goals at a time and stuff like that. It was just a bit, and then the enjoyment ran out by the end of the season. It was just something when I went into high school, I didn't feel like I wanted to carry on doing anymore as well. And then transition into high school, how did you find that? Again, I wasn't too bad. Um, it's like sort of the high school I, I went way different, which is quite far from my home, and. Um, a lot of the time when you go to school, they would take sort of your school local to you. You basically, all the your primary school go to that high school, don't they? But with mine being far away, it was only um, where Deacon were only letting you in if basically you had siblings in there. So from like my one, it was a little bit tougher, a little bit tougher in terms of there was only about six of us who went from our primary school into the high school. Um, I know they made sure that they like sort of split them up. So there was at least two from every, um, from every primary school. So, at least got to be in, you know, a class with a couple of me yeah. mates from primary school. Um, and then I, I think I probably struggled a little bit at first with just that, but then give it a few months and stuff like that, I found, like, family feet in there and I found it, yeah, quite decent. And it was, yeah, good school, good school to be at. It was a bit daunting as well because it was... It- it was already big where Deacon before they done what they done with it, weren't it? And it was like yeah. old school looking and all, wasn't it? So it was probably haunted. quite daunting. Yeah, yeah definitely haunted. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> definitely, mate. But the only other good thing, though, is um, at the time, like me, brother was still there and one of my sisters as well. So my brother was in year 11. So I think that um, when you've like sort of got that, you feel like you've got a bit of a comfort, like a safety net in place whereby obviously if anything you know bad was to happen it's you know one of those oh, i've got a brother in year 11 um yeah. you know or my sister's like sort of i don't know can't remember when our beth was like year nine maybe or something so there's right. that sort of safety net or and you can go to them if you know there's any any issues or whatever so that was good to know and then obviously with the teachers as well when you see a surname because it's not the most common of surnames is it like peyton no um, and yeah. especially not around there then as soon as you see it they just know it's like oh you're Hannah, Jamie, Beth, yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. yeah. Right, so considering you've said you've played one game a year at school as well and it's not club stuff, when you first have a ball and you're at, did you semi-understand it anywhere through watching Witness or was you playing rugby union at school? Yeah, no, I, I understood it, like, sort of pretty much quite, you know, straight away. I, I, I take to the reels quite quickly. Um, so yeah, I was like sort of understood everything that was happening. So the first two two years where I said I only played one game, I think they were both games of union as well. Um, where right. I probably didn't know as many rules. Um, obviously with the league, watching it all the time, you know, witness had picked up with them quite quickly. But obviously, you know, union's a bit more complex in terms of the the rules and all the little niggly things that you you wouldn't would never you know like sort of or you couldn't put your finger on. Uh, with those rules, so yeah, it, I knew about the league. Maybe not so much union, but that sort of you know sort of soon came in time because then when I was getting interested in the league, I had a bit more interest in union. And you know, watching probably all the Six Nations matches as opposed to just England at that point in time, and then again picking those rules up from telly. 
So yeah, learn a fair bit. Position wise at school, mate, where were you player? Because like what we'll touch on later on is your versatility is really kicked in in the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah. So like where where was you playing as a kid? So I was full back, um, pretty much in school for everything. So it was just I was um sounds like I'm gonna like go dead big headed here by saying it. But no, I, I was like the fast I was the fastest kid in our year. Um right. I've got the I had the worst acceleration known to man, like like at sports stage the scene. It was like already yeah. ten meters behind people, you know, when it was only fifteen meters into the race, but uh, took me a while to get going, but when I got going. So yeah, it was just like sort of full back because quite, you know, getting around quite a bit and positioning was good and um like under the high ball as well. I've always been or oh, I'd like to always think that I've been like relatively solid as well with my hands and like catching. So uh, yeah, it was just like sort of in from there, and it was always, especially with like the league, you know, counter attacking quite a fair bit from fullback. So, and like striking a ball, mate, because without sounding stupid, striking a football is nothing like striking a rugby ball, is it? So, how did no. you? Because that's some that's a big part of your game at 15 in rugby union, isn't it? You've yeah. got to play, play the field right at time. So, how did you find that? And where did your positional awareness come from? Did you have to, did you get into it by playing? Or could you have just done it from watching telly? Yeah, I think like sort of you just pick it up a little bit from watching telly and thinking where well, you know where people are going to be, um. But obviously you just can't really do it unless you are playing. So it's like sort of you know getting a few like sort of earlier games in there, um. When like sort of it, you're in when it was in year nine and playing a lot more or whatever, it's just a bit more about getting like sort of the experience and then. With like the kicking of the ball again, it's one of those that you know round me, um, round their eyes as well. There was like sort of although we were playing footy on the field, we played rugby quite a bit as well, and I'd always have one of those horrible. Oh, you'll know about kicking these because it's like kicking a footy. You know the eight-sided Gilberts that they used to play with in Last Super League. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus, the spiral bombs you could do with them was <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> um, so obviously there was a bit of difference kicking that to kicking a normal four-sided one as well, wasn't there? Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, and you never know in school as well with with our PE teachers whether they were going to pull the eight sider out or the four sided to play with. So again, that was like sort of adapting to that a little bit more. Well, no, the, it was good to have like the the transitional skills. When I was playing footy as well, it was pretty much a centre back. So it was just you know one of those centre backs who just stick your head on anything and hoof anything. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty much all I was about anyway. Is just putting as much behind it as I could do. Right, and then goal kicking wise, because you you can nudge, mate, can't you? Which gets a bit overlooked as well. But you can you can nudge. You're not like you're not a crap kicker, really. So, where where did that come in? Is that just something you used to just enjoy doing? Take a couple of balls and a tee and go and knock some over. Yeah. Um. So again, we were mentioned with Mike before. Um. Mike Howarth. So we used to yeah just take balls down to the field at the bottom end where footy goals were and. Just take kicks from the sidelines constantly. Um, they're like sort of you'd be there for two or three hours, just you know, whacking the ball all the time. Um, and then from that, I think it was just again in school, I was I was kicking a fair bit, uh, you know, fair bit of goals there. And a lot of those like thought, uh, you know, a bit of power in there. I think it soon showed that sometimes I struggled a little bit, you know, with like the sideline kicks in school. You know, uh, quite a fair bit of the time they were like sort of accurate on target, but just didn't have the power to get there. And um, so that, yeah, that's that's where the kicking come from. And again, I, 
yeah, I'd like to think quite accurate again, even sort of nowadays, but still the power's lacking. You can just see it all the time, just don't get anywhere near as much as I'd like to on it. But your game now was throw. So I, I had to come across playing, well, you playing and then playing with you probably, if you started at 15 or 16, you reckon, club rugby. Yeah, yeah. So I've probably come across you three years into playing. But your game now was far beyond a lad that's been playing for three years. So where where do you hone that? Because it's all, it's all well and good knowing spatial awareness and a little bit of positional stuff. But you were someone that you knew when to play a certain game and how to play it. But um, like from fullback, you're not always able to implement that, are you? You can only do what what you can do at the back. But where does that knowledge come from, mate? And and is it is that part of the game something you enjoy, tactical wise? I think I think it's just from being like sort of a proper rugby geek, um, where like you know I said again before, sat at home just watching like sort of all the time and constantly you know like sort of seeing what other people are doing, um. And then I think, like, sort of in those earlier years as well, it was a bit like, you know, it's like sort of wore off a little bit now where I actually wanted to be quite good at rugby earlier on. And now I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't mind just playing for the social side of things. Um, yeah. But it was just like sort of back then that I really wanted to, like, sort of be, you know, the best that you sort of could do. And, you know, when your parents are coming up to watch you and then you've got other people coming up to watch and stuff, it's just one of those things that you really want to perform in front of all those sort you know, all those people. And I think when I, you know, when I like sort of come across you as well and when we went to Colts and stuff like that, I think having yeah. people who've been there for the club, like, you know, Paul, who like yeah. unreal coach, weren't he, Paul? Like sort it, of when, yeah, when the stuff that you, you know, like sort of just absorbed from him, it's like a sponge because he will just like sort of tell you things and you'll, you'll never forget them. So like sort of his, you know, his game sense and so on, and like sort of telling you about different situations and what, you know, what's best for different situations, just learning from him, absorbing it. And even looking at the, like the players around us as well that we have, because I know they weren't necessarily playing my position, but still learning things from them because we had like really good players. And obviously, even, you know, looking at your team as well, the year above, you had the same as well. And even watching the open age, you know, because the open age at the time would have had players in there, I imagine like Welshy and, you know, um, like Riley's and stuff like that. So just learn from learn from everyone else, basically. Right. And the, the only thing with Paul, which is no disrespect to him and, and I don't like that, but because, like, he's very, like, he's straight talking sometimes. His people skills aren't great, are they? No. So, like, that, that but that no disrespect, that's just fact. But it's because his delivery is, like, blunt and he, he doesn't know a way around the pussyfooting, does he? He's no. just straight to you. You don't have a choice sometimes but to do it. And then when mm. you see that it, it's like a good habit or it, it makes an impact on a play, that's when like people start buying into that that knowledge because sometimes yeah. his delivery doesn't get an instant buy-in, does it? Because you mm. think, who are you talking to sometimes? But he don't mean it. It's just like no, that's the only way he knows to put it across. So it probably helped you really a little bit as well. Yeah, it was, it's yeah, it was good to have like sort of that side of things, and then obviously Jed was in the. We had quite a lot of coaches back then, actually, didn't we? And like Dave Griff was there, weren't he? And I think for a, a year or two, like Martin Kerr was up there doing bits and stuff like that. It was just there was so many people to learn from, but it was good to have Paul's side of things, and then 
have some of the people who are a bit like softer, like Martin and, and Jed's one of those ones that can be in between, can't he? Whereas when he wants to be like fume where he can be, but then he can be like the nicest fella ever as well the next minute. So it's just good to have you. Yeah. Good to have an array of different coaches with different styles. So as much as yeah, sorry, mate. So as much as sport isn't dominating your life it previous to, to coming to the wids, how's your school life going? Is is school something you enjoyed? Or was it social or was it a bit of both? Um, I think school life I enjoyed like sort of more the social side, you know, social side of it. I just I think in the first few years it was like I was quite academic as well um it was in like sort of the top sets for everything for the first three um three years or so and i think i don't know what it was with me but it just seemed to get quite lazy um with like sort of skill work and i think i was prioritizing you know the socializing side of things whereas you know when like year nine came around and it was like oh you know someone's dad can get your beers and stuff like that and it's just basically it's then like looking forward to the friday night instead and going up vicky park and hanging around with everyone else and stuff like that and then just being lazy and when you've got, you know, you get up to see a 10, 11 and the important things are coming around, like, you know, your coursework and stuff like that where you should be prioritising that and finding a time for that. I wasn't, I just wasn't doing it and trying, trying to find every basic excuse under the sun as to, you know, to not do it when you've got teachers chasing deadlines. It was just very, very lazy, basically. And somehow got through it all and, I done all right in terms of like you know me exam results and stuff like that with school, but if if we had time back, I'd have probably like sort of done those last two years differently if I could have done. Insights about mate, in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what's just went in. That's what hindsight's about, in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like you said, you have done well, and we and we will we will talk about it. So, what was the ambition leaving school? What were your options, mate? Mm. Um. I don't think I like sort of had any sort of ambition as such when I was leaving. If if it was one of it was one of these things that if I could like sort of have been picked up with rugby, I'd you know I'd absolutely love to. Um, but aside from that, I wouldn't have minded something like sort of sporty because then when I went into college, I was um doing PE again, and then I think picked up business studies and IT and English as well. So it was one of these that basically it was like a mi- mix, it's a mishmash of everything. So there was no real you know, like sort of end goal of what I wanted wow. to be as such. Yeah. It was just, it was really all over the place. Um, right. So, yeah, there was just nothing there really. Right, mate. And then that's when rugby really kicks in now, doesn't it, mate, once you've back end of school and leaving school. So why was it the wits? Um, it was, it was quite a difficult decision because I was getting absolutely hampered by two like sort of two or three sides of um lads in high school as to who to go to. So I like Jamie Clare, Sam Whitty and Callum Hancock were all um, you know, like sort of pestering me to come to the Wids because they were playing there. Then um they had the rugby league side of things. So we had like um Frenny being French, like uh, Lunty, uh, Danny Hume, Augie, Kyle Ogburn, like sort of pestering me to go to either like Moorfield or West Bank, you know, to play rugby league as well for them. Um, yeah. But I think I sort of see myself as with rugby league that when I play, even when I played it in like sort of high school, that it's one of those that I'm probably not tough enough for it, knowing that like sort of, you know, especially what Super League was like, you know, back in the day as well and watching that and just seeing 
you know, elbows, knees, boots, you know, flying around to everyone. Basically, it was just a free-for-all, wasn't it? Um, and I just, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that, like, sort of for me, that Union was a bit more bit more structured. Um, I probably could use my skills, you know, a little bit bit better in Union than what I could do in uh, League. And um, I know Graham Kerr as well was, like, sort of, his dad, Martin, was one of the coaches and uh, was quite good good mates, you know, back then with Graham as well. Um, and he was pestering me quite a bit on the bus to school all the time about it. So I think in the end, it was just like, yeah, Union was probably the, the easier choice out of the two of them to go and go and pick up the wits. Right, and I know we spoke a little bit off uh, camera about it, mate, really, because for as good a mate you are as mine, I don't really know a lot about pre-cults. Yeah. And it shocked me to hear that you only started playing late, really. And so was, was Merseyside or like that never... Never on the horizon for you. Did you even know what it was? Had absolutely no idea about it. Um, so again, like I just mentioned, Graham there. I know that Graham played for Merseyside on a, you know a couple of occasions, but that might have been like earlier on in school or something. And I'm not too sure if it was even still going by the time that I like sort of got into it. So when I was playing my first, you know, few games, which what well, would have been 15, 16 for the wits and stuff like that, then. I don't, yeah, it wasn't on the radar and it wouldn't have been a priority for me to, you know, go for the trials there because obviously actually playing at club level, I didn't know how, you know, how I would have fared against anyone else anyway, um, whether it would have, you know, got into the team or whatever because I think a lot of the time I was just thinking that was relying on the pace more than anything else and, you know, it's like sort of trying to, to wing it, especially in the earlier days. So I probably would have, yeah. In hindsight, is another hindsight one again that it might have been, you know, a good thing to potentially go for and and see what happened. But it's just, yeah, again, one of those things that never happened. And so, and so be it, mate. What you don't know about, you don't miss either, do you? No. So you rock up to the width and and what happens? Do you know where you're going? Is someone waiting for you? Is it just one of them where you stood around waiting and someone say, oh, yeah, what what happens? So yeah, it was just it was training over the road um, on Prescott Field, and I think I was just like sort of yeah walked up from round mine because it was only like a five minute walk from where I lived on Ali Drive, and then it was just like walking up and waiting to obviously you know like sort of go and see, make sure that Callum is there or it was or Jamie was there, you know, one of the lads who was like getting me down or Graham, um, yeah. you know, going over just to make sure that they were there, and then. They were, and then it's one of the things that stick with me from my first ever training session. I think I fell over like a tackle bag that was meant to leap over, and obviously everyone like <laughs> rolling, you know, pissing around laughing. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, what an introduction this is!" Like, yeah, never coming back again. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. It was just like sort of one of those things. Just we train on Wednesdays or whatever. Turn up, turn up on the field, and we'll just you know see how you go and stuff like that, and get you straight into there. So that's basically yeah. what I did do, and. Never look back from it. So was it one training session a week game day? Um, I think it was back then. Yeah. Pretty sure with like sort of yeah, with kids that they wouldn't have put us through two sessions a week and then games and up on the four that. So I think yeah, it might have just been the one session and a game on a Sunday morning. Because that's what always baffled me from coming when I went from rugby league to rugby union initially, it was once a week. And again, but I've been training three or four times a week playing rugby league. Yeah. So I was like, you can't just train once a week and then play. But then when I come back at 15, 16, it was the same. 
Yeah, exactly. We, just, well, we, had, uh, we had a lot of Liverpool lads as well, though. So I don't know whether that was to cater for like St. Eddie's, for instance. So did you have a few Liverpool lads in your team or anything like that? No, I think we were all pretty, just trying to think back. I think it's just made up of... There's quite a lot of lads from Fairfield in ours. Um, then there's us three or four from Wade Deacon. And then I don't even remember if there's any like sort of from Banky or PMP, really. I think we pretty much were like sort of all from Wade Deacon and Fairfield. Pretty much that's all it, yeah, all it was, really. Right, so how did that first season go? So are we 15s or 16s at this point, Josh? Yeah, it would, would have been 15s or 16s. Um, I can't remember too much from it. Um, it was just like sort of one of those again. I think it was just trying to like sort of get in, you know, get to know the team and stuff um, and just like sort of establish myself, with, you know, within the team and obviously trained a little bit there and then went and pretty much just played, you know, fullback straight away and, you know, playing week in, week out at fullback for them. Um, again, it was just mainly about me learning about them and about myself and, you know, learning new skills and stuff like that as well. Um, can't remember if there's any, like, sort of major games or anything that, like... Well, well enough for you to stick around, mate, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. no, good. So, should we just go straight to Junior Colts then, mate? Because this is where your success already starts, really, isn't it? Although, uh, final day, which we both went to in different yeah. teams, didn't quite work for us. Your, yeah. your success, like, not only trophy-wise and winning, but your ability, your understanding, your, your building friendships, relationships, everything about your rugby life is just going upwards now, isn't it? So talk, yeah, talk us through what Junior Colts is, how well you've done, and how many of your team managed to stick around, or was it a struggle? Yeah, so Junior Colts, we were like, so it's 17s, isn't it? And then it's just like basically one transition year, and then you go into seniors um, with our juniors. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, in terms of successes, it was quite a decent season. I think we were a few leagues down in terms of the, um, in terms of like sort of what level we were at. So it might have been like League C or something like that. But um, I think we ended up winning that league. And then, like you just mentioned, then touched upon, we, um, yeah, we played in the final before you, Lancashire Cup, didn't we? And um, I think we got nil by Broughton Park, which was like sort of a, one of, yeah, one of those like shit, we're not as good as we actually, you know, think we are pretty much. Cause, the way, then. Yeah. And I think we played another final, was it the week before, maybe, um, at Wigan against Sandbach? And um, that was another rude awakening because we went up, I think we were about 10 points up on them with, not very long left in the game and somehow ended up losing it. Um, and then annoyed with ourselves and then thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're a good team anyway. You can see that. We know that Sam Batcher usually like sort of one of the better teams in like sort of, you know, around Lancashire, Cheshire. So we'll go to Broughton and we'll, we'll beat them. And then obviously that didn't happen either. Um, but it was a good like sort of breed, you know, breeding ground junior cults anyway, like sort of toughen you up as well. You know, playing against some some all right teams, some decent teams, um, and then in terms of players who stuck around, there's still there's still quite a few that stuck around for seniors. So we had like Arnie went through, didn't he? Um, Callum, yeah. Hancock, Jimmy Kenyon, um, Tank. I'm trying to think who else was like still still there. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, we had did, did Tom Raymond stick around now? 
Yeah, Tom did, didn't he? Um, and Hazy, yeah. yeah, Martin Hayes. There was still a few George, um, Scowie, Paul, McClendon. Yeah, there was still a fair few that were like sort of hanging around. I didn't, didn't think there's too many left. And um, maybe a few that were sort of when you mentioned like sort of clicks before there are, you know, some that do do emerge. And I think some from the you know the little one like friendship group that was over in the corner from Fairfield. There's a few of those lads that. I think left um, and didn't fancy it for the year after. I think they just didn't want to pretty much just play anymore. So, um, but yeah, we still retained quite a large part of the squad anyway. There's a few big games you played, and albeit you saw an ash lesson, like you said, and and we were as well. I think to be honest, but um, what what are you like before them big games? the finals or the league winning games, you know, that fasten the league up. How are you before them? All right. Well, I, I can't recall how it was like sort of before those ones now, because I know like even, again, I imagine we'll probably touch on it later on, like sort of the more recent ones with like league wins and stuff like that. But yeah, back then, I don't know. I think I was like sort of thrived on them a little bit. Like nowadays, for some reason, I get like dead heavy legs. And it takes me like two, three, four minutes to even like sort of get into, you know, get into games. I've got to do something. I've got to either make a run or make a tackle. And then for some reason it's like sort of the nerves, heavy legs go when that like sort of happens. And I think that's like sort of been with me for quite a bit. A, a bit younger, probably felt a bit more invincible when I had like sort of my pace to rely on, which I've not <laughs> so much got nowadays. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think I thrived on it a little bit more back then. Right. And not only that, mate, it's position-wise, then you were much able to, to get involved in the game, so you probably didn't have time to think because you're probably under an eyeball or you're kicking yeah. off. With your versatility now, you don't know whether you're playing wing, centre, nine, full-back, do you? Mm-hmm. Each yeah. of the positions other than wing are quite easy to get involved quite early, aren't they? Sometimes yeah. on the wing, mate, you won't even touch the ball. Not for a good 20 minutes or something like that. Oh, yeah. So, right. So, what was it like for you coming up into a team that was already established? Was that easy for you, lads, or did you find it tricky? Or, um, I think it was all right because sort of some people knew, um, others as well, like sort of didn't they, you know, a little bit from, from previous. So, it was. And you were all quite welcoming, to be totally honest. So I, I found it like you know quite easy to gel with everyone on there as well, um, especially with like sort of you know the staying behind after games all the time, and you know staying behind after training on a Friday and stuff like that. You were all dead easy, you know, dead easy to get along with. So there was, yeah, there was no issues at all for for me, like sort of coming into the team and. And then playing wise as well, I think like sort of again we just fit straight in. Some you know most of the lads just fit straight in and came into the team and you know sort of I'd like to think that we improved it as well from like sort of some of the lads that you had the previous years who you weren't playing anymore or whatever. I think you did. I think you probably filled them cracks in that we were missing the the year we both got beat. Probably plus don't know if you remember, but that first game was Fleetwood away, wasn't it? So we sort of, without really meaning to, it sort of made us a team if we wanted to be or not, didn't it? Because yeah. of obviously all the trouble we had there and that. But So what are the standout moments from that year for you, mate? 
happened. And so obviously we won the Lancashire Cup, didn't we? We won the league, didn't we? So what what were the the big moments for you? Or was there ever a, was there a point in the year if you can remember where you felt that we were going to go on to do that? No, I think it was I think it was confident in terms of like sort of winning the league and stuff because like you mentioned that Fleetwood game was was a proper horrible like sort of tough game, weren't it? Because I, I don't think the don't think the weather was like great up there and stuff like that, and it was just one of those that I think it was slag eggs going in here, there, and everywhere, and then you know, like you said as well, there was a bit of the trouble at the end, and game got called off early and stuff like that. But I think when other teams are calling the game off early because they don't want to know about us, then that's like sort of you think that yeah, obviously all these like sort of teammates around me and stuff like that that we're going to go places, and then some of the performances that we were putting in against teams as well when. You know, we we're putting like sort of 50 and 60 points on some teams and stuff like that. I think you knew straight away that we had a good, you know, a good squad. And then I think that like sort of more come to fruition when, um, was it LSH who we'd beat in the semi final of the Lanks Cup? I think it could have been. Yeah. So it was like sort of at that point in time, it's like, yeah, this is like, and they were the league above us, I think, as well, um, in like sort of the Colts League. So it's like, yeah, we know that actually we're a really good team. Um, so there's some like sort of better teams in our league than there were in you know leagues above and stuff like that. Um, so I think with the league it got a bit twitchy bomb at the end, didn't it? Because it was we had a few games to go, then we only only needed to win like maybe three of the last few, and I know we went up to Wigan that time and they turned us over because we just we were just absolutely shite after the uh, excuse me language there. But um half, well, half, I know, half the team was still pissed and that weren't we and... pretty much yeah yeah like sort yeah. of turned up and I, I remember like Jed and Yui going absolutely berserk in the changing rooms yeah. beforehand and it just it stunk of a brewery in there. It was absolutely yeah it was mad and then like sort of that last game um uh, in that league season as well when we had the quarter, it was the quarter final, weren't it? it? Was um coming the week after when Huddersfield turned up. Huddersfield playing in the Lancashire Cup for some daft reason. Um and then they they all come down in the cars and turned up to watch us at Manchester in the stand. And um because if we'd have got beat they'd have won the league, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Um yeah. so it, it was like sort of that big yeah, and then that game was it just seemed the referee was trying to do everything in his power to like sort of stop us winning. The game, I think you got binned, didn't you? The Juzzy get binned. Um, there was a clear, deliberate knock-on in the corner where Chris Morgs would have scored and he didn't give anything. I think he added on something like 10, 11 minutes. And just, again, it's like sort of one of those things that early in the season you've seen as we were such a solid, you know, solid team. We were in it for each other. I think we were only, you know, one score up on them and they were kept coming at us. But it was just like, no, you're not coming through. You're not coming through. And I think the ref got bored in the end or something like that, or he thought he was going to have a heart attack. He was running around that much that um, he had to blow up and just eventually, yeah, we won that. And then obviously went on to better things in terms of that Huddersfield game where they were, you know, turning up there thinking that they were going to going to batter us and like laughing in the stands and stuff like that, thinking that we were, thinking we were shit. And then they turned up to our place, didn't they? And thinking they were, again, the dog's bollocks walking around like it was a final at Twickenham or something like that. Um, 
It was mad, that. Exactly, yeah. And obviously turned them over as well because that, that was another like sort of big game that always will always stick in the memory because they just thought they were going to come and turn us over. I think they scored quite early on. And I was like, like you were sitting there, they're all big and stuff. And just thinking, fuck, we're going to be in for a game here. You know, probably going to get turned over by this team from Yorkshire who shouldn't even be in a Lancashire Cup. And then they ended up batter, you know, battering them. Um, in the end, I think that was the only time that they scored actually. Or and then yeah, yeah it was just it was, yeah. went from there. Started laughing at them, and then you were going, "Oh, running!" I remember one of them saying to me, "Running me shit bag," because uh, I just kept getting the ball at full back and putting it back over to them in the corner, five meters out. Like, I'm not going to run at you, and can just keep doing that all game and keep getting yeah, it to come yeah. back out from five meters out. I think I think what they'd done is I think they'd blitzed whatever district they were in. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And I don't think that year or for a while they'd had anything like a Yorkshire type cup or do you know what I mean? So I think they'd yeah. like, they put them in just for a, a competitive game. I think they were blitzing teams because I'm sure it's where Huddersfield Giants train that. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, they do think play is. down yeah. there, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was going to say it's nearly as far away as bloody Littleborough is anyway, in it? so it may as well be, yeah. may as well be in there. Well, the the year after that, mate, you were part of the the invincible side, weren't you? Yeah, that was pretty much unreal. But again, we were—I don't know why we kept putting ourselves in that same like sort of third league. Um, yeah, so we went into there. I think we lost one of the first two games of the season actually against Aspel. Um, and then from there, yeah, it was just won every game, like sort of quite, pretty much quite comfortably. And then got on to playing Lancashire Cup final again. I think we'd beat LSH again in the semis. And then who did we have in that final? Um, was it Fleetwood? Was it Fleetwood or Fyled. Rochdale? Filed. That was the one, sorry, filed at yeah, Rochdale. Yeah, yeah. And again, that was another one where they had, you know, a couple of players when. You know, sometimes you can hear beforehand, especially from Sam Whitty, always telling you, like, whose son, you know, plays for there or, you know, yeah. whose cousin or whatever. I think you run about, like, jo- I think it might have been, like, Josh Bowman or someone like, you know, was playing for Fylde or some, someone daft like that anyway. And, you know, again, blitzed them in that final, then ended up playing in the League Cup final. So that was, obviously, everyone from all leagues, from A to E. Um and then I think we played Lim, who comes second or top of League A um, yeah. in that final, pummeled them by, you know, a good few scores. And then after that, obviously, we went on to um, play like the North of England. They call it the Cockerton North uh, Championship. And then we played Middlesbrough at Wigan and beat them as well. Um, that was a lot tighter though, that game. They were a really, really good side. But somehow, yeah, again, managed to just about eke out a result there and, it's it was unreal, like sort of thing. Actually, like, you know, champions in the north of England, sort of at yeah. that stage as well. It was, yeah, it was it was good to like sort of get all all four trophies in the bag that you know you could go after that season. I, mean, I imagine being part of the most successful cult side in the north as well. I can't. I don't know any any sides that have gone and done that, or you don't hear about it. Not only in the club in the northwest, but. You were the best team in the North at, at that year group, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, so do you think that made you ready for senior rugby then, mate, for open-age rugby? I think, yeah, def- definitely, like, sort of senior cults, especially within with your lot, because I think that's when I started playing, like, open-age. 
Um, I think I started playing like sort of, I can't remember if I played a bit of junior college sport, definitely a senior. I started like, I know we had a fourth team at the time, so I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just go and see what that's like. And it's obviously when you're a sprightly 17-year-old who's actually like sort of quite quick and stuff like that, it's a bit, bit daft playing in the fourth. Yeah, a bit daft playing in the fourth team because a lot of them are just, you know, I say just, but you know, like 50, 60 year old, you know, fellas who haven't, they aren't like crap, rugby, it? They aren't yeah. crap 50, 60 year old fellas, you know, they're yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. there for, <laughs> just there for a laugh and a, a, and a piss about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then eventually, like, sort of went up playing um, seconds and stuff like that. But yeah, you like definitely, like, sort of got, got me ready for that and playing against some, like, sort of the, t- you know, the tougher opposition that we have played against in Colts. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the time it was like sort of Colts was a lot harder than playing some of these second team games and even when we were playing Team Zuma top of the seconds league it was still Colts seemed to be harder than open age rugby for me at that point in time don't know why I felt that but I just, just did To be honest mate some, some games definitely second team games some Colts games were tougher than two's games um, but did sort of when you when you were back because so for viewers and listeners that might not know, Colts play on a Sunday. Yeah. Open eight is obviously a Saturday. So how how did you find the transition between because the ball class is senior rugby as well, for anyone that might not understand, you can be nineteen and under to play a senior Colts, can't you? And then obviously yeah. you can be seventeen and older to play men's rugby. So how did you find the switching and um, was position wise, was you still playing fifteen and Saturday Sunday? Um, so when it was like sort of in cult, I think I was. Did I go? I think I went on to the wing actually, like sort of more with senior cult. So the first year when I was with you lot, um, I know I played like sort of most of it at full back, and then at one point I had to go and play another position. I think because someone was missing, and then Chris Morgs played a couple of games at the end at full back, and then the next year. Um, obviously Smigger just obviously an unreal player in the end he was playing full back yeah. yeah I was playing on the uh, I was playing on the wing instead then um, but it was quite tough though because we had like cult, you know Colts training what day did we have Colts training on? Friday night as well Fridays, uh... so you, you were playing you were training on Friday night playing on Saturday mid oh. and playing on Sunday after a night out on Saturday as well generally so it was just yeah, yeah it was like a hectic the hectic weekend and it was, it was proper proper tough you know to get through but it was one of those that um I wasn't I wasn't you know playing senior rugby loads and loads as well at that time though because I, I worked on a Saturday so it was just like every so often that I got a Saturday off that I'd play um and do that but um yeah it was still the times that we'd done that train play play was just absolutely it was horrible on on the body and you'd need those next few days to like sort of recover from it as well. You you never probably did, did you? Because you felt it till Thursday, and then you training Friday, you're back playing Saturday. Or I used to, I used to feel it all week. Me, it was horrid. But so, how did you used to see the game differently from fullback to wing, mate? Um, I don't know because I think with wing, obviously, you like sort of more up in the line quite a lot more, aren't you? So. You don't get like a full a full picture of the game, which you do at fullback. And when you like sort of playing fullback as well, you can have a little, you know, look up, put your kicks in, you know, like sort of where you can do over the top. 
and there doesn't there's not as much like sort of tackling at fullback. I don't feel as well, um, yeah. or you don't you don't see UV is as well. You you're not frowned upon, are you? Because you're the last line of defence. We've all not done our job. Yeah, for you to have to be facing two, three, four, have we? Yeah, I was literally just about to say as well. You don't feel like sort of as as you know exposed um, when you're playing sort of on the wing as you know fullback because a lot of time with wing you just try and push them back inside again. Um, yeah. If like someone's going to try and get there, and then hopefully you know your drift defenders coming over and you you know you can then push them inside and make the tackle or whatever. But I think that's like sort of the main difference is being able to see the whole pitch and then only then being able to see you know like sort of your sort of your wing type and the whole moving up and back and up and back all the time as well with wing can be a bit of a nightmare, especially like sort of you don't know when they're going to kick and I know more nowadays as well with the whole. 50-22, it's got worse. 50-22, um, yeah. yeah. Got a lot worse. We're having to like, sort of drop back in, but they're definitely the main differences that I've seen, you know. i seen back then, you just see a lot less of the ball on the wing as well. Um, hmm. or, I, I, I seem to think you do anyway. I know a lot of teams do yeah. spread the ball quite a fair bit that you you can see the ball, for, you know, sometimes, but I think it just depends on like sort of the game that you're playing, the opposition you're playing against, isn't it? So, you want to know yeah. just whether you're keeping it tight or whether you're throwing it wide and because yeah. you may not get a touch all game, you may get one touch all game, you know, the ball or something like that. Yeah, it's just about being patient and it's something you learn as you get older rather than as a as a young whippersnapper, right? But the the only thing what I'd say for viewers and listeners is when we're on about positional play, depending where you are on the field, mate, you might have to worry about the five metre channel, the ten or fifty, because de- depending where you are. It, it, the full back will shift to one side or the other, won't they? And you yeah. tend to just worry about that that end third, don't you? But when you when you're looking at um, being well, the other wing of being flat, you've gone from having to look after that much to like that much, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. And like Pretty I said, much, if, you, yeah. if you're a nervous lad and your legs are heavy and you're you're not on the nicest of pitches because we're not professionals. It, it's an hard go in it and then oh, yeah, when definitely. you look up you've got three lads in front of you and like you're defending a kit and you've got to know where to put it sometimes you just got to get it off the island mate and you and everyone get back and reset yeah reset yeah so right yeah. mate one second apologies it's alright so when when you're coming through then mate and like you said you had to work some Saturdays didn't you so when you got the chance to double and then Colts was ending, what happened with your Saturday job? So once Colts was done, did the Saturday job go? No, still like sort of still in it. So um, I worked Saturdays for quite a fair bit. It was probably until like sort of my mid-20s. Because, um, right. yeah, when I went like sort of college, I pretty much I'd done six months and it was like one of these things that it wasn't for me. Um, and then, job came up in like the call centre where everyone in witness knows that you even know someone who works at the Gus or you work at the Gus. <laughs> yeah. Much. Oh, you've tried. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's where I went to like sort of work on the phones for, you know, for about four years or whatever. And then started doing, so, you know, something else in there, but it was still on like a Saturday doing PPI work, which is absolutely tedious. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was still doing that until like, yeah, maybe about 20, like I said, about 25, something like that, maybe 24, 25. 
that was doing that. So I'd missed out on quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of senior rugby. And it was just one of those that um trying to, you know, either squeeze some hours in during the week so that I could get off, you know, early. So for the three o'clock clock kickoffs or taking time off, you know, if I wanted to, if like the team was short, then you know, try and just get the time off just so I could go and help out where I could do. Cause I know like so today around the time where we did struggle to even get numbers for second teams, never mind. Seconds, you know, yeah. for for other ones. Yeah, never mind getting a third team together. Right. So when did first team rugby become a regular thing? And when did the success follow on the back of your playing more regularly? Um well I started playing more regularly though when I um I, well I eventually like sort of the Saturdays weren't there anymore. Um so yeah. I was then I was just a bit like who oh, I didn't want to play seconds at the time. Um like as as a group with like mates and stuff like that, you know, with like Sam Ainsworth, Andy Griff, Alex Shaw and stuff like that, yeah. the ones we who, you know, knew like sort of we just wanted to play together as like sort of just as mates and stuff like that, more as a fun side of things. So it just like sort of ended up they were playing third team and pretty much I think Streety was captain at the point in time. So we were just like, Yeah, what we'll do is we'll just, you know, go up and play third team instead and have a laugh for a year or two. Um and then it was just at that point in time after doing that for a couple of years, it was like, don't realistically want to be, you know, just playing third team all the time or whatever. And then, you know, went up to playing seconds. Um, and then, got, yeah, made captain of the second team um, after a little bit. And obviously, you know, when uh, made, yeah, made captain, I think it was, it was like partway through the season or something like that. And then went on to win the league um, the following year. With actually quite a good settled team, it was just pretty much the same. It just seemed to be the same eighteen lads week in week out that were playing, you know, for each other in that second team. And um, it was like sort of the following year that that like first team came. I think I played one. Um, like my debut was just. It feels quite embarrassing, even like sort of saying it. Like sort of my debut was at West Park in the cup and come on for two minutes at the end at scrum half because that's where I was playing pretty much for the second team, and. Um, yeah, came on for two minutes at the end. I think I marked, you know, like sort of someone at scrum time, and that was pretty much it. Uh, defend, you know, defending the line didn't do anything at all. Um, and then following that, it was again I didn't play for weeks and weeks, and then I think there's quite a few injuries out wide. Um, and then played away. It could have been at Tildesley, I think. Um, where I came on after like twenty minutes because. I think it might be like Phil Barker's having a stinker or something like that. So the um, so put me on there, and then again it was another another few weeks before I got to play first team again. When someone cried off at like one o'clock on a Saturday, so went up to Sefton with a first, and then from then it was just like literally I started that game, and I think I pretty much started nearly every game for the rest of the season, and that was like a decent decent season. I think we finished like mid table ish, but it's like one of those ones where. You know, there's quite a lot of rugby lessons and life lessons going up to like Glossop on the first weekend in January and um, up to Broughton Park when they were play, paying players and stuff like that. And I'm getting absolutely, yeah, absolutely hammered at Broughton Park by a couple of the lads and they were just, you know, complete level above. Um, but we we done all right for, that, for the rest of that season and that's when it came from. And then I think it was after that that the whole ADM thing came into it and when like the real success started. 
How did captaincy change your game when you were in the second team, or did it even change your game? Um, I think it did change because it's one of those that I'm I'm not like sort of the most vocal in terms of you know people, trying to get people up for games and what have you. Um, before and then I think obviously having captaincy it makes you be that person that you need to like sort of step up and not only like sort of show with what you're doing on the pitch but you also need to do it like sort of you know verbally as well telling people excuse me telling people where like sort of you know where to be and then you've obviously got 14 lads on constantly shouting around you as well like you know getting in your ear because the ref's done something wrong and you're just like trying to keep calm under the pressure of all your lads and what have you. Um, so it changed it quite a bit. It did make me, you know, quite a bit more vocal and, and what have you. But I think more like captaincy, I was always trying to like sort of lead from the front anyway. And it's good that I was playing nine when I was captain, you know, so that I'm in and around like sort of, you know, the referee in and around the play and stuff like that. Because I think if it was like when I was playing wing, I'd have probably struggled a little bit with the captaincy because there's not much you can do, you know, with a captain when you're all the way out there, is there? So, yeah, it made... You may be a better player anyway and brought on quite a lot of other skills. So when did travelling become something that frequently happened in your life, mate? What was what was travelling all about for you and when did it start? Um, that was, I think we were just saying, <laughs> I honestly don't, um, it, like sort of at first we all went away a few times with the lads as you do um, with, you know, when you're 18, 19 and stuff like that. So done the whole Magaloth thing, the Ibiza thing, you know, with a few of the rugby lads. And then um, I, I don't know how it came about, but like sort of one night, it was just pissed in the club with, um, was it Tom Mack, Alex Shaw, Sam Ainsworth and Andy Griff. And it was coming up to like sort of, I think it was a few months before my 21st birthday. And for some reason we were just like, oh, you know, should we go away for your birthday? Yeah. And then found like the most random place that we could do from from Liverpool to fly to for my 21st. Um, and then we ended up going to Estonia, which was, yeah, it's actually like sort of one of my favourite places that I've ever been to as well. It's actually dead nice. Um, but at the time, it was just one of these things. It's like, has anyone actually ever heard of Estonia? Like, what on earth is it going to be like? And then it was just one of those things that as soon as I sort of went there, I was like... This is, you know, this is absolutely class place, and that I want to see more of the world because obviously, when you're going over to, you know, Magaloff and Ibiza, it's just you're solely just there to, you know, party and what have you, and that is basically what that's all about. But then, when you go into all these other little cities and stuff like that, um, you just find like little little things out about the city and stuff like that. And it's dead intriguing, like going places, you know, like that and. It was just from nerves, like, you know what, I want to go see a lot more. And then obviously I think it was like sort of the following year. I went back to Estonia again. Um I think we went to Swedes, didn't we, as well? And like sort of went up to Norway. Um Norway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was like sort of so that group, it, it rapidly grew, didn't it? So initially it was just four years. Was that right? Yeah, yeah. Five of us and originally. Then... Yeah, and then I, I imagine dykes of like myself jumped on when I was in this wing of work and stuff, and just it was like you just said it was places you never really ever thought about going. No. Never mind, I heard of and that it was, and then the group sort of went from five to twelve, sometimes fourteen, didn't it? it like, yeah, it become a bit of a a side hobby for us, really, didn't it? And it all come from 
that car, what you said, and it just got a bit bigger and a bit bigger, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was just like sort of a little bit of like the the booming affordable travel type thing as well, because obviously we were all, you know, not not exactly earning loads of money and stuff at the time when you're in your early twenties and stuff. So it was just a case of oh, you know, where can we go and have a dead cheap weekend? So you're like finding you know return flights of thirty forty quid and you know hostels that you can stay in for two or three nights that cost you twenty pound and when you're going over to places like Poland and it's a quid a pint and you know stuff like that. It was just. You know, where can we find it's like that we've not been to before that's absolutely dirt cheap? And like you said, it was then all the other rugby lads that were, you know, coming along into it. Like, you know, yourself, Jimmy, you know, Kenyon was then coming in, you know, wanting to go along. We even integrated Mike Jones when we were all like 21. He was coming through the Colts, wasn't he? He was one of the Colts who stayed behind all the time and he got, you know, quite involved with us. And I think. We like sort of went to Lithuania when we were, when he was seventeen or something like that for his first ever his first ever one away, and yeah, it just grew from there. So just keep going to as many mad places in Europe as you can. Do. <laughs> and then obviously you were touched on there, mate. Before I brought the travelling up is when the real success kicked in. So talk us through where it began, like your first taste of. First team silver word, and then out everything just snowballed. And for viewers and listeners, I've had a few of the Wigs lads on, but it's the unbeaten run as well, mate, isn't it? And yeah, now yeah. you can talk about like the national trophy you won and things like that, mate, if you can. Yeah, um, I didn't win the national trophy, mate. <laughs> yeah, but you're a part of you were a part of like the process, Josh, just because you're not in the squad on the day. You've helped contribute and bring lads through into that team. Yeah. Um, we'll just start, yeah, we'll start off from Thingy anyway. Um, so it was, when was it now? So it's 2018, 19, when, when we won that. Um, so I, was, I wasn't in the squad for like the first few games. I think it was one of those where I always like, you know, went on holiday and then, you know, not available for the first couple of games and stuff like that. And then it's always, you've got to bide your time a little bit. Um, with me because I, I obviously was never you know one of the superstars in the team. I think it was just one of one of the lads who was you know the pretty much steady, who was just you know reliable and stuff like that. So it was always just waiting you know for someone else to become unavailable or to become you know it it's it's not what I was personally wanting for, you know for someone to happen, but like when an injury come along or something like that, that you come into the team. Um, so I think the lad lost the first first three games of the season. It was. Um, and then yeah after that it was like sort of the unbeaten run I think it was like sort of another one or two games before I had my first uh, first game of that season and then yeah it was just again I think it was in the um, in the team for the majority of the like, sort of the games again that season unless it was you know unavailable and then again it was maybe like a week out until someone else wasn't available and then I was back in the team again and stuff like that and that cycle you know constantly happening so probably played, you know, maybe 15 or so games in that season. But, yeah, it, like, culminated. Uh, it, it seemed, I think it was, like, four teams who were chasing the league, like, right at the end. Um, was it, like, yeah, our, it was our, West, yeah, ourselves, West Park, Oldham, Didsbury. I think LSH might have even been in and around there and stuff like that. So it was getting, like, quite close towards the end. And it was just, like, every single week going out there thinking, don't, don't just need to win the game. We also need bonus points as well, you know, constantly because everyone's in and around each other. And I think we, people would never like sort of say, 
you know, there's always that cliche, like, oh, it's just the next game, the next game, the next game and stuff like that. But I think we always subconsciously had our eye on that last game of the season, you know, thinking that we've got all these other ta- teams who are like mid-table and, you know, towards the bottom end, like the old Winnians is Trafford, Littlebrews and stuff like that. And then it was just like, always had one eye on that last game of the season, West Park away, because it's just like, right, this could be the one where we lose it, West Park win the league, we win the league. There could be one of the other two teams that are in the mix as well for it. Um, and I think we started that off quite, you know, we started off quite badly in that game, quite, ner- you know, quite nervous and giving loads of ball away and stuff, giving field position away. And um, I think we went a couple of scores down quite early on uh, and then got ourselves back into it. I scored just on half time. And then again, second half, it was a bit like tip for tap type thing. And I'm pretty sure that Andy Owens kicked a few penalties as well, just to nudge us in front. Um, and then I got a couple of tries again at the end, like sort of to get the hat trick, which, and then you just, it's one of those things, I think, which you'll never like sort of forget the moment when, you know, you've got up after scoring a hat trick and then you see like 15 lads just bolting it over to you because it's like, so it's one of those to, to win the league and just seeing everyone jumping on each other. Even you've got like people on the sideline, I think Josie was suspended or something. You've got him jumping in with people and injured lads jumping on top of you. It's just, yeah. it's just crazy. Um, and then yeah, we went to win on went to win the league cup as well in that. Um, then my guy got in the final of that one, but again, it was like sort of you know part of the team in there. And then Lancashire Trophy at Rochdale were a bit of a chaotic game where there was like loads of points in against Metrovic. But again, we just done like sort of done our job early on and got like sort of all the po- points on the board. And as a team, played well. I think there's a couple of lads missing as well who've been there all season. Um, like Andy Owens, I think wasn't there and. Could have been a couple of others like Key and maybe Sam and not too too sure. There's a couple of couple missing anyway. And um it was yeah, like quite good to end that season with the treble. Um yeah. and following yeah, following year we went back into it again, didn't we? And got um well, we won the league. I know we got cut short a little bit because of COVID, but again, didn't lose a game in that league that whole season. Um and I think the last game that we played was that when we were up to Halifax and got beat by the um, by a very good team. I don't know what they were called. Um, oh, Broadlands. Oh, Broads, that's them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were very, yeah, they were very good, very well drilled, and we just obviously wasn't ready for it, you know, for for them and yeah, done a job on us, which was disappointing to like sort of end the run. It was forty odd games or something like that, and then we didn't even have a chance a week the following week to you know go out and you know, avenge the defeat or anything like that because COVID had hit and everything had completely stopped at that point in time. Right, and fast forward to where we are now and, and what's what's the future hold for for your rugby, mate? What What's the ambition there? And well, what's the goal? Is it just to keep enjoying it? Are you, are you happy to keep going? And Yeah, um, it's, it is just plainly... At the moment, it's just more like sort of social side, you know. For me, I do still like you know going up and getting out on a Saturday. And I think if I've, I think last couple of years and stuff like that, I've been saying you know my body's not getting any any better and stuff like that. And on Sundays when I wake up with my back's aching and my legs are aching and stuff like that, and I'm always like, oh, this will be my last season. This will be my last season. And you just somehow you know keep playing and stuff like that because it's something you want to be around and you constantly want to be around the club. And I think. The alternative to this is getting a season ticket or witness, which will be quite depressing nowadays anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah. I think at the moment, yeah, it's it's a way of keeping fit and keeping around the lads and 
you know, keeping involved. I think I spoke to Ad Lockers actually like last season because Lockers is what is in late thirties now or something, getting near to forty, mm. and he was just like, you know, with the lads who are around him, um, who played with him, who've all you know like packed it in, who've said that like you know they regret it. And Lockers is the only one that's like yeah. still going out of them a lot, and he's like pretty much I'm just going to keep going until you know until I physically can't go anymore because once you've stopped, you've stopped pretty much. It's hard to get back into it, isn't it? So yeah, yeah just, no, yeah. Especially if you've got the choice. So you imagine if you've stopped because you think you've had enough, mm. not because your body's making you or your life start like work or home because things can change, can't they? But uh, I think if you can just keep going till you physically don't feel able to, I would. Because uh, like, yeah, I, put, I put a post out on, I think it was LinkedIn, mate, it's, it's not the game you miss. It's like the crap no, with it's... your mates before it's your and it after it. Like no matter what yeah. how much you've been involved, if you weren't a player and someone's won something, you don't feel a part of it. If you've played in it, mm-hmm. you feel a part of it. So that's what I'd say to yeah. you, mate. Just keep keep going while you, your body can, even if it, you say you just solely rely on social rugby and play when you can. Just do it. That's what I will be doing. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, right, mate. So I've got a few daft questions for you. Go so, on. any pre-match superstitions? Um, not so much like sort of a superstition, but to set on my stomach. Um, I've got a, I've got a bit of a dodgy stomach, so um, always pretty much just have to have like sort of a meal deal usually before games. That's like literally it, and it's got to be certain like sort. Of, you know, certain times before games as well and before meets. So it's not yeah. it's not so much a superstition as such, it's just to make sure that I don't like feel like my stomach's gonna give in on me or anything at any point in time. So that's pretty much all that is. But there's nothing like no uh, pulling yeah. socks up or boots on different feet or whatever before matches, none of that shite. And I know a lot of lads touch the width sign before they're going out and stuff as well. And nah, it's not for me. I don't know. Don't know why I just never done it. Yeah, fair enough, mate. So you might not know the player, but you might know the position or the club. So the toughest player you've played with and against. Tough is different for everybody, by the way. It doesn't have to be someone that's gonna knock someone out. It can be a hard someone like a winger who comes off the back all the time, hard carries, hard carries. It can be just yeah. a tackling machine. Some uh, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to like sort of think back and you know think of certain you know certain games and stuff like that. Um, one that I, I know, one that I've not necessarily like sort of come into contact much with. Um, I remember who we played against was Simon McIntyre. You know the one who is he at Sale now? He used to be at Wasps. Yeah, the prop. Because yeah, he he played yeah. in that final um, for Broughton Park against us. And I'd never seen anyone stop Arnie dead in the tracks and just turn him over five metres out from a tap penalty. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, so he was like sort of one that I thought of. In terms of other ones who were like more like my position, um, I always remember there was like a lad at Metrovic who was like quite a big winger who, you know, constantly like sort of running at me and I think in the Lancashire Trophy final as well, he proper sat me down when I tried to chip the ball over the top of him. And he just like picked me up anyway and dropped me on my head type thing. Um, and I know obviously now with like sort of my age getting to me and like I touched on now that I'm losing my pace and stuff a little bit or if not already lost it. Um, 
in the second team final last year against Aspel. There was a lad who I got told after the game was only 17, but he absolutely ran me ragged, like properly fast. fast like, like they say in the, uh, in, oh, I can't remember what the movie is, super bad, where it's like, fastest kid alive. He actually was like the fastest kid alive, <laughs> six, six foot three, strong, everything. And he just had me in his pocket all day. And I had an absolute shocker uh, of a game on that one. So probably they're like sort of ones that just immediately come to mind. Um, toughest playing with. There's quite, a, there's quite a few. Obviously, like sort of Tom O'Neill never stops, does he? He's just an absolute oh. machine. Um, like hard, wildy as well. Like sort of just runs in hard every time, doesn't he? And he's in the one who just like, yeah. you know, never, never stops. Um, another one, he's like sort of... He's, a lot smaller, but like sort of so so tough. We've been playing with like last year and the year before. Deck Rice, honestly, he's absolutely like sort of nails. Just never seen someone you know like that. And he was playing scrum half last year, and he was taking balls in like he was the prop in a, in a rugby league game, you know, off a kickoff, just trotting <laughs> the ball back in. It's like Jesus Christ, but for such a yeah. small lad, he hits like hits so hard, and he's like he's like nails and. Yeah, there's there's so many more that you could go, you know, go through with on our team, Mike, just because he's he's a dirty little bastard every every now and again, isn't he? As well, that he's just he's, he's a bit like nails as well. Yeah, horrible uh, and Juzzy's similar as well. Yeah, right, mate. So your favourite away ground you've played at? Bloody hell! Um, anywhere that's not Sefton and West Park, because I seem to spend all my life there. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I'm just trying to think of any word that's actually like sort of really usually just enjoy playing at places you've actually got nice pitches um, and decent grub. You're not asked about the changes and that, really. As long as it's like sort of warm, because I've just touched on that every time you go, you can go to Sefton when it's 35 degrees in the summer and you'll go in there and it's absolutely freezing cold. Um, so it's it's nicer when you have got places like so. More recently, been going there quite a fair bit. Trafford Metrovic's quite a quite an all right ground. So I think they they've just had the changes done up a few years back, and I've been there quite a lot. When I used to go, recently. they were always saying they were getting done up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite decent now. I've yeah played there quite a few times in the last few years and stuff. It was quite nice. Um, don't mind Lim so much as well. Lim was quite quite decent. I think that was again more though because of the pitches and the uh, the food afterwards. And Sam Batch was uh, the what? Sorry. Rap car park though. Oh yeah, yeah. Hotels galore in it, considering yeah. they've got wedge. Down, <laughs> down that dodgy back road as well. Yeah, you'd think that someone would put yeah. it in the pocket. That's it, yeah, not, feel like you're gonna go going down somewhere to be shot, though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if you could go back and tell a younger you something, mate, what would it be and why? I'd probably say to actually like sort of play play rugby earlier. Um because then I think it'd have been like sort of a lot more, a lot more ready for, you know, all the other things. I could have potentially had the chance of maybe you know trying out something, you know, like uh, Merseyside or Cheshire, Lancashire, whatever it would have been, you know, at the uh, at the time. So I'd have probably yeah gone back and just played a lot, played a lot sooner, really, and um, told myself to like I touched on before as well, focus more on the uh, on the school work a little bit. Enough, mate. And we're out, we're pissed, but I've had all more abroad. A microphone ends up in your hand. What are you giving us, mate? What's to go to on the karaoke? I feel like I robbed this off Matty Walker. Um, 
but walking in Memphis because it's Matty's favorite uh, favorite one, isn't it? Usually when he's had a, had a few to drink and stuff like that. But yeah, usually it's just obviously one that you've. I don't know many songs where I know like sort of the lyrics all the way through, but that's like a proper proper crowd pleaser that one as well. So usually it'd be that or uh, Flying Without Wings as well as a a good one that is always <laughs> can always go to and probably shouldn't really admit that one, like but. <laughs> Anyway, people know it, mate. It got number one, didn't it? Everybody, people know it. Exactly. Right. So if you're happy to, mate, a 1 to 15 that you've played with. Yeah. Um, it's always tough because you always like feel like there's going to be people that you've you know missed out of there and and what have you. You just can't like, sort of think of who you played in the past. But uh, a few people have done it similar, whereas there's obviously lads who you know you played two or three games with and stuff like that. So... You know, for well, like when Echo was up the club and stuff like that, and Adam Lawton's had a couple of games for us, and you know, there's players players like that. But probably want to just pick, you know, players that you've had at least one season, yeah. full season with. So, um, the front row, I'd probably pick Juzzy because just he's so like tough around there, and he's probably one of those people that you need to have like a bit, bit more of an enforcer type thing that he's yeah. gonna, you know, like sort of stand up for the whole team and you know be front and center and. <laughs> You know, um, knowing Juzzy from junior cults, not junior cults, sorry, senior cults and stuff like that. And when he winded me in that first ever training session and stuff like that, he's someone that you always want on your side. And, you know, he can be quite handy taking the ball forward as well. So um, him at one prop and then I'd have Matty Lawton as the other prop. Again, another one who's like sort of come all the way up from um, junior cults with us. And he just like every year seems to get better and better and better when he's like carrying the ball in the loose and then when you need like sort of, you know, proper G up in the game or something like that, he'll go and put a shot on someone and again, solid in the scrums. So he'd be the other prop that I'd pick. Um, Hooker, say Tank, Liam Clark. So when we yeah. played back with him back in Colts, he's like straight as a die, all of his line out throws. He was always like pretty much solid in the scrum. But quite a big lad, he could get around a little bit as well. Um, he'd always be like sort of you'd, you'd see him, he'd sort of always be keeping up with play when my other front rows might not like sort of be doing so. Um, and again, another one who's like sort of tough around, you know, around the rock as well, you know, taking the carries in that people might not want to be taking in, but he was always there to pick and drive and stuff like that. So probably say tank at hooker. Um, second row. I've sort of had to cheat a little bit and shoe on one person in here from the back row because we'll talk about the back row in a minute and what a horrid choice yeah. it is. Um, right. So I'd pick probably put Mike Jones as one of them. Um, yeah. Again, another one who's a bit more like, you know, again, we touched on, he's horrible, like sort of, but he's one of those horrible people that you want on your team who's dead niggly, you know, constantly never never letting you stop. So as soon as there's a penalty, he's up taking taps, you know, running it. See, in second row, we have him all the time up in line outs and stuff like that. He's always winning your line out ball and stuff. So, and I have him and um, another one. I think I only played one year, maybe with Colts or maybe two years with Johnny Preston. But Johnny again, yeah. like sort of, it's it's a shame that obviously he didn't spend more time up the woods because you know he moved away with his uni and what have you and living away and stuff. But again, like sort of line outs, he was just just everywhere, all over the pitch. You know, taking balls in. Never see him miss a tackle or anything like that as well. He was just like a proper, proper solid player. Um, now, like I said, moving on to the back row, this was just like, it's just horrible trying to choose like people from this because 
if you go back and look the senior Colts back row that we had, where you had John Forrest, Phil, Tom Mack, then I know obviously I said Wilcox only played a couple of times, didn't he? But then you had you at back row for some time during the season, at Arnie as well, and then you moved to senior Colts and you've got um, Johnny Lowe, Garrity, Jamie Clare, Jimmy Kenyon coming off the bench and then in open age as well, there's people like, you know, back rows where we've got Kieran, Will Patient, Tom O'Neill, Mike, who have had to shoe on in the second row because there's just too many to choose from on this one. So, um, sorry, I'm taking up all your time now just describing this. Well, um, no, go ahead. Well, you've been lucky. You've played with some, like, really gifted lads, especially for our level of rugby as well. Yeah. Oh, no, one that uh, just, like, really... Um, uh, I didn't touch on, but like second sec, uh, second team last year, Al Breeden, again, another absolute freak. He just doesn't want to play first, does he? Or, you know, as Yeah, I have asked people like, what's, but yeah, that's what I've got, that he's more than happy doing what he's doing. Yeah. So that's fine, yeah. isn't it? Do you know, like, yeah. That's what it's about. Fair enough, yeah. Where he, he, he just wants to, you know, enjoy himself, play with his mates and he scored like 20-odd tries last year for a number eight, which is just freakish. Um, yeah. But who have, who have gone with anyway? So, um, Kieran, again, like sort of a number one who like pretty six. much... Six. Yeah, I'd have to put Key at six. Yeah. Um, right. I know he probably prefers playing seven and stuff like that, but we'll put him at six. Um, Not anymore. Yeah, number one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Could be in there somewhere. So, yeah, he's... You know, one he'll just tackle anything and you know, he's go forward and stuff like that. And you'll just see him like sort of a bit like like a bit like a gazelle when he's like sort of you know breaking tackles and stuff and just going through the middle. Yeah. And there's that uh, picture in a cup of views to fur bit in there. Um, no, what is sorry. it to say, say about the cup games? That picture of Karen and his strides like oh, this yeah. long in it. Yeah, he is, he's he is like long strided, it looks awkward, yeah, but a um. He always yeah. seems to like sort of make the right decisions as well and stuff when he's you know when he's going through and you know when he does make his breaks makes you know passes and stuff like that as well to supporting people and never really go to floor and stuff and like I said makes his tackles makes the meters a bit niggly when he needs to be as well so um, I'm at six Tom Mack at seven just yeah, an absolute freak of nature he there's just times when you like sort of you see him at the bottom of a rock. The ball gets like sort of passed out, and then you just turn around and you look again, and he's there over the top, winning a penalty for holding on. You like, how's he got there? Like in that space of time, and I, he's just like sort of, he's so yeah, it's so tough. It's just how he got around the pitch, and I think he's like sort of one of the most, most like sort of naturally gifted players that I've like sort of you know ever played with. Just again, it, it's just a freak, um, in a good way. And then um, <laughs> number eight will be Tom O'Neill. Um, yeah. I think like sort of everyone just knows like sort of about Tom and the quality that he's got that he's got like that he can just be running. He'll take four or five lads with us. I think there's some like things pictures of him when he's running with the ball in his right hand and he's actually picked someone up in his left hand and he's carrying them with him because it's easier to, yeah. than to bump them off or whatever it is. And I think now with the captain captaincy as well with him, he's just like sort of just shows how you know how good of a leader he actually is. And it's, I think, how old is he now? Is he still only like 23, 24, if, if that? Yeah, he's With, scary how good he can get. Exactly. Like sort of more and more years just developing, developing. And um, 
and over like the last couple of years as well, like sort of he, he put himself like through losing, you know, losing a bit of the weight and stuff, but he's still not lost any of his power or whatever. He's still as destructive as he's ever it been. will do well to keep all the Tom as well, to be honest with you, mate. I know he's a bit like he's a bit like Alan and he just wants to play with his mates and that, but yeah. I don't know. I, I don't even to add the code. I know he's been inquired about. I've been asked about him a few times and that, but he just doesn't want to do it, and that's fine. No. But we'll still we'll do well eventually. I think the right yeah. thing will come for Tom, and he might have to have a little look at it. No offense to the lids, but he might have to just to have a go and just to prove it to himself a little bit, maybe. Yeah, potentially. I just. Things well, obviously, it's his decision at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, and on a selfish yeah. point of view, I just hope to God that he stays with us. But he wants to go, then you know, can go yeah. make uh, make something else of it. Um, yeah. moving on to nine anyway, then. Um, nine, I've gone with F Simons. Um, yeah, when F was like sort of in that year when we won all four things, just. And nine, who's like sort of as you know, abrasive as he is, like sort of again, he's so dominant in tack in the tackles, um, and stuff like that. And his distribution was always like sort of second to none, which you can see now because obviously he's at he's at Newcastle and playing hooker and stuff like that. Um, I think he's the the closest person I've ever got to as well to like sort of seeing you know the the crack Riley dummy, um, having people off and stuff like that, the show and go. But yeah, he was like sort of. A really, really tough and really good nine. Know that we had like sort of back in, back in that year. And like I said, he's sort of shown what what he can do by going playing the championship week in week out with Newcastle and yeah. Workington. Was it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then um, ten. I put Kevin at ten because he's like sort of just like natural born leader in the Kev. Yeah. Really gifted as well. Like sort of his passing game, his kicking game, his tackling. Um, even like running as well he just knows the exact moment you know what to do there he's just like so rugby clever and I think a bit like when I said before I'm rugby I think he's like quite similar isn't he in, in terms of that as well just absolutely loves the, the club and constantly doing you know being up there and just getting you know better and better and you know obviously he's got quite a lot of injuries and stuff like that and to see yeah. and I know last last year he said that he, he was going to retire and I think obviously he just just couldn't could he and, and obviously a benefit for our club that he's just like you know carrying on and, and stuff like that so yeah the Kev there um, 12 I'd put Scoey Chris Schofield mm-hmm. um, again so like naturally gifted his passing was was class but I think he's like sort of more dominant when he's like you know tackling people it just seemed that every tackle he'd make, it'd just be, you know, lifting someone off the ground and dumping them back again. Um, I get just a shame that he's made out of biscuit because he would have, like, sort of been, you know, real asset to the first team. And I think he just just didn't fancy it anymore, really, did he? You know, he's getting a couple of serious injuries and stuff. And Just the, the career path he wanted was a bit more serious as well, wasn't it? And yeah, things yeah. like that, mate. But, yeah. Yeah, so, but, yeah, he was really good. And then... Um, his partner in crime as well at 13, um, Paul McClendon. Um, I think some, some people like sort of because Paul, when he was like a young age, went to sale, didn't he? And like sort of signed for sale. So I think everyone like thought he was going to be like an absolute megastar or whatever it was. And you know, but you could see why, or I certainly anyway could see like sort of why you would have got picked up that early with 
again, he got an absolute massive boot on him and like sort of his his rugby brain was really, really good for like sort of how young he was and then going into the Colts and obviously played a year or two with him at open age as well. And um he was good at like sort of running lines and he knew exactly with the calls where everyone was meant to be organizing the back line all the time and stuff. Very vocal in the back line. So yeah, I think Paul in there. Um yeah. wingers I'd have Smigger as one of them. Yeah. Um, I think you obviously just know how, how good Smigger is, like sort of just rapid for his size, how strong he is. Um, could finish anything off. He was just constantly, you know, like breaking lines, chip and chase over the top. And he, his step and, you know, his footwork was just absolutely unreal, weren't he? Yeah. Make him, made a mockery of many of the fences. Um, so, yeah, I'd have him on one wing and then I'd have Gav on the other. Um, yeah. Gav, solid winger, you know, pacey and stuff like that. Isaac, he's got decent acceleration, even even nowadays as well, even though he's like sort of getting on a little bit like I am. Uh, say getting on, it doesn't even seem that old, actually. Um, mm-hmm. We joke about it sometimes in training and stuff like that, but um, no, he's... He's really good. He's really good at finishing as well. Gav like sort of backs himself all the time. Whereas I think that's like something, you know, with me as a winger, I've never really like sort of had that. And I can always see it in Gav that Gav will always like sort of eye, you know, someone one on one, he'll always take him on. Um a lot of time he'll come out on top on that as well. Um yeah. and then finally at full back Andy Owens. Again, it's just you could see from when Andy came in and you know played a couple of games for the seconds that he was always just gonna be, you know, first. In, and even, you know, potentially better than that, which Sean, I know he signed at Preston and came back again, but his kicking game, absolutely brilliant. Um, his running game as well, he's another one with like sort of a horrible step on him. You know, always makes his always makes his tackles, knows where to be, stuff like that. So yeah, and he's and he's got as well. Yeah, he is a machine, yeah. just keeps on going and going and going. He's like there's no end point with him. You know, he could probably run all day long, see, seeing him pre-season when he's doing, you know, bleak tests and stuff, where everyone else yeah. is dying, like coughing up lung butter and stuff, and Andy <laughs> just constantly running. Like, please stop. Yeah. But yeah, he's, uh, he'd be there at 15. You've been listening to Trot the Egging. Thanks to our sponsors, Bardell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Egging and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.